Let's invite the Lord into our presence. <clears throat> Almighty God, Thou hast created this vast world with the mere speaking of Your will. Lord, we come before Thee to hear those same living words. We pray that they could unmake the hardness of our heart and form in us an image of your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, it is by your power and by your operation alone that this can happen. We want to yield ourselves to that for your glory and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. For meditation this afternoon, let's turn to the book of Joshua, the book of Joshua, chapter 5. Joshua, chapter 5. <clears throat> While we're getting, moving there, um, just the context. At this point, uh, the Israelites have been wandering for 40 years. They didn't believe the, they believed the negative part of the report given by the 12 spies and didn't have the confidence to go in 40 years ago. And so now all have died except for Joshua and Caleb. And they have crossed miraculously the Jordan River and they've come to the other side uh, to into the promised land and this is the first things that happened there <clears throat> Joshua chapter 5 and it came to pass when all the kings of the Amorites which were on the side Jordan westward and all the kings of the Canaanites which were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan from before the children of Israel until we were passed over that their heart melted Neither was there spirit in them any more because of the children of Israel. At that time, the Lord said unto Joshua, Make thee sharp knives and circumcise again the children of Israel the second time. And Joshua made him sharp knives and circumcised the children of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. And this is the cause why Joshua did circumcise. All the people that came out of Egypt that were males... Even all the men of war died in the wilderness by the way after they came out of Egypt. Now all the people that came out were circumcised, but all the people that were born in the wilderness by the way as they came forth out of Egypt, them they had not circumcised. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people that were men of war which came out of Egypt were consumed because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord unto whom the Lord swear that he would not show them the land which the Lord swear unto their fathers, that he would give us a land that floweth with milk and honey. And their children, whom he raised up in their stead, them Joshua circumcised, for they were, not, they were uncircumcised, because they had not circumcised them by the way. And it came to pass, when they had done circumcising all the people, that they abode in their places in the camp till they were whole. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off you. Wherefore, the name of the place is called Gilgal unto this day. And the people of Israel encamped in Gilgal and kept 
the Passover on the fourteenth day of the month, even in the plains of Jericho. And they did eat of the old corn of the land on the morrow after the Passover, unleavened cakes and parched corn in the selfsame day. And the manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten of the old corn of the land, neither had the children of Israel manna any more, but they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. And it came to pass, when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? The captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. Joshua had to take on the mantle of leadership. In the very beginning of this book, we read about ten times over how God told him that he should have courage, be strong and very courageous over and over again. Why? Because he was a very capable military general because the people that he was leading were a formidable army that had successfully defeated their adversaries east of the Jordan because he had so many more people with him than those ahead of him. Was that why? Because he was smarter? Because he was stronger? No, it says, Be strong and of a good courage. Be not Afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. We all need to face challenges in our life. We heard recently about that there is no victory without a battle. And here, God is about to bring his people Israel into the promised land. The thing they've been waiting for for 430 years as they dwelled in Egypt that they've been dreaming about for 40 years as they wandered through the wilderness. Now they've crossed the Jordan. They are there. But that does not mean that they don't need courage. You need courage when you face a challenge. You need courage only when you are afraid. Courage is the ability to do and act what's right even in the presence of fear. There was going to be a battle. There was going to be many battles. There was going to be seven years of battles. Yes, because God was with them. In the next chapter, the walls of Jericho would fall down at a single shout after seven days of obedience to God marching around it the walls fell down and and it's interesting now that we can see the the actual um archaeology that uh it was important that the walls fell down because 
Jericho was built on a, um, had retaining walls around it. So the ground level was actually higher in Jericho than outside. And so those walls that fell down, and we actually have evidence that they fell down outwards, which never happens in a siege because the enemy is bashing them in. They fell outwards and provided an easy ramp to allow everyone to come into the city from all directions. God's amazing provision that we have physical evidence of today. God provided. God provided. Then the next uh, confrontation with the kings of the south when they all banded together and uh, the sun stood still in the sky so that Joshua could finish that battle and God killed more people with hailstones that day than, than the children of Israel did with the sword. So yes, because of God's amazing provision, they were able to be victorious. But we have this chapter in between. And I think it's important for us to realize that in order for us to have victory in the battles that we need to be willing to face with courage, there is also preparation. We read that the children that were born, the children that, that um, the Israelites were complaining that these children are going to die. You're gonna, we're going to, if we obey God, and 40 years ago they were saying this, and, and would go in and attack these walled cities and these giants, our children are going to be a prey. And God said, these children that you thought are going to die because you obey me, they're the only ones that are going to live. And uh, it's not clear whether the, this was uh, commanded that they were, would not be circumcised till now, but they were not circumcised. They were not. Now, the promise of Abraham, the obedience that he showed to have be the, in that special relationship with God was to cut off the foreskin. And that had been the identifying mark of the Jews till then. And so this needed to be done. They needed to, to identify themselves with God. They needed to cut off the thing that was, uh, that they were not sensitive. And in order to be spiritually prepared for God to be with them in these battles. In the New Testament, it tells us that circumcision that is required of us today is not the same physical circumcision of the cutting off of the foreskin. It's a circumcision that applies to all, male or female, and it is a cutting off the foreskin of our heart. It says a spiritual circumcision done in an operation of God, that God does. That's what identifies us as being his children when we cut off and allow God to cut off from our lives those things that, that are that covering that make us unsensitive to him. And so I want to ask each one of us, starting with me, and I want to ask our friends too to think about what are the things 
that you think God wants to cut out of your life, it takes a sharp knife to do it, to the things that keep you from being sensitive to the Lord. And this is something that you may not be able to do yourself, but you need to be willing to let God do. You need to be willing to let God come with a sharp knife, and even though it hurts, and you might be sore for some time, to let him remove from your life the things that keep you from his blessings. God is about to bless them. They are actually standing within the promised land, the land that flows with milk and honey. They no longer need his miraculous provision of manna. We see that God is stopping that because he's, he's expecting them to take over now. He's brought them into the land. Now they need to provide for themselves. He's, re, he's ready to, to enable them to win these victories, but they still need to carry the sword. They still need to march around the city. They still need to take an active part in being courageous in order to conquer the land for uh, that they can live in it. And, and we can see, if we would continue to read that, unfortunately, they stopped too soon. They took over a good portion of the land, but not all. They had enough that they could get started being settled down and planting their vineyards and tending their sheep. And, and it was tough. It was hard. The last, you know, the last 80-20 rule, the last 20%, there was iron chariots, there was technology. It was, it was hard. And they were getting tired. But that's something we can discuss later on, that when we do not finish the work that God begins, there's a consequence for us, as there certainly was for them. Just as we know, the same thing happened uh, with the, the uh, king of the northern kingdom of Israel when God promised to deliver Syria into their hands. And they're still fighting this day. And God, the prophet, told the king, just hit the air with the ground with these arrows and, you know, that's how many times you'll be able to conquer Syria. And he, he hit him once, and the prophet was upset with him. If you had done it three times, you would have, you have completely overcome Syria. They would never be a threat to you again. But because your faith was weak, you, you thought once is enough. We didn't, you didn't fully execute what God had in mind. Even so here, the Israelites stopped short of God's glory and did not receive the full blessing and received consequences. So we've established we need to prepare ourselves. We need to be willing to let God cut things out of our life if we want to experience his victory in our lives as we go forward. And in the end of this chapter, we see Joshua. He's going up to Jericho. He, he's surveying, I guess. He's... Uh, Maybe as a general, he wants to see the lay of the land, where the weak points are, where they should attack. And 
He lifts up his eyes and he sees someone he doesn't recognize. Someone standing between him and Jericho, someone standing with a sword drawn. And he asks a question. He says, friend or foe, are you with us or against us? With us or with our adversaries? And it turns out that it wasn't friend or foe. It was God's angel himself. We don't know whether that was a pre-incarnate, you know, appearance of Christ or whether it was Michael or some uh, high-ranking angel that was going to lead the armies of God that was actually going to accomplish the victories that were going to happen. But the interesting thing that I think we can spend a little time thinking about is that Joshua didn't recognize him. That Joshua thought that it was up to him to win this battle. He's there standing on the hill strategizing and doesn't recognize that God himself is showing up and that it's really by God's power this is going to happen. He's being strong and courageous, but not because the Lord is with him. How does this apply to our lives? We live in a physical world. We don't always see the spiritual dimension. And sometimes we act as if there is no spiritual dimension. We act as if what we can touch and taste and see is all there is. And we don't rely on God to accomplish what we think is impossible, we often give up, as Israelites did, eventually, because we say this is impossible. And we rely on the arm of flesh, as the Bible describes it. We know, we can calculate, we can strategize how I'm going to steer this conversation how I'm going to, uh, you know, use my resources to accomplish what I want to get, how I'm going to manage what people think, and, and we're strategizing. It may not be a military strategy. There may be other things that we're after. And we think it's up to us to make it happen using our own wits and our own resources. And because we're so focused on what we can do, we don't see God when he does show up. When he is there to accomplish what we could never accomplish in a way that we could never dream of because we have our own plans. We have our own delimited ways in which we think God should, or I should act, or the way things should go down should be the way that I have thought through. I mean, how many generals would try to take a city by marching around it in total silence for seven days? Probably the people inside, if they weren't, hadn't been so afraid because they saw the miraculous parting of the Jordan, they, they would be laughing at them. God often does things in ways that don't make sense to us. Ways that make us look like a fool while we're doing them. 
Because we do it in such a way, God wants us to do it in such a way that it's clear that only God could have made this happen. Therefore, only God should get the glory and not our own wits and our own strength that we tend to rely on. Are we praying for God to show up? Are we asking God to show up in our lives? Are we looking for God to show up in our lives? Are we hungry for God to show up in our lives? Do we feel so much the weight of our responsibilities as Joshua must have felt that the welfare, the, the whole success of this whole Exodus adventure was on his shoulders? Do we feel so stressed by what is up to us to get done by the end of this day or by the deadline that we don't think we have time to ask God to show up? This is an amazing book. It has a lot of wisdom. You can learn a lot of success principles from it. A lot of self-help books are basically based on the Solomon's wisdom and, and other wisdom revealed in Scripture. But you miss the whole point if you're not looking for God to show up and to make the difference, to accomplish the victory in your life. If we come here and we look at people and sadly, we can look at people and say, friend or foe. And we're not looking for God to speak to us through his living word. We're missing the point. If we don't make room in our thinking, in our desires, in, in our attention for the supernatural, for God, to, to make that take residence in our hearts and in our lives, then our courage is mere bravado. We may be strong and courageous, but it's not because God is with us, because we're not thinking about God being with us. Joshua was successful. He made mistake here, but he fell on his face. He recognized it. He removed his foot. He said, what should I do, Lord? What saith my Lord unto his servant? He was willing to worship God. And he was willing to obey God strictly. Well, he did make one more mistake. In uh, chapter 8, where he thought there was a simple situation where some people came and they looked like they were from very far away. Their, their bread was moldy, their sandals were cracked and, and they said they came because they heard the reputation of God and they wanted to join him and he forgot to ask God because he thought it was simple. The evidence that he could see with his eyes seemed to be plain and he was deceived by the Gibeonites who actually we're from next door and thought rather than fight we'll fool and uh, people were pretty upset with him about that and it specifically says 
that Joshua neglected to ask God. So in our lives too, let's not get fooled into thinking things are just too simple, too logical, too straightforward for us to spend the time to ask God, what should I do? God is interested in our lives and the hairs on our head and the details. Let's make room and ask and depend on him so that he can move and give us the guidance and the victory and that we don't give up because we get overwhelmed because we think, I can't do this and we're probably right. I can't get rid of these things in my life. Well, God's willing to do it for you. It might be painful. You need willingness and a hunger. They, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after God and after his righteousness, for they shall be filled. As we sang, was it uh, two Sundays ago? Or I think it was on Wednesday. The verse that, that said that it's not our fitness, our ability in, in, in modern language that God is interested in. He simply wants us to recognize our inability and to rely on him completely. To act, Joshua didn't stand there and let Jericho get taken over. We need to act in dependence, active dependence, obedience is what enables God's power to be victorious in our lives that we can live in God's uh, promised land and be blessed. Please choose a hymn. Number one, number 109, all verses of 109.
Heavenly Father, we realize that it is only you who have saved us and who can, who can keep us these days. And every day there is a battle and we have no power. Alone we can do nothing. Only if, if you are with us with your sword, if we keep that sword with us, the, the Word and your Holy Spirit walking with us and, and we expecting you in our life daily and walking in the knowledge of you every day. Without that we are already lost or would be thank you for having pity on us and thank you for these these reminders that the nation of Israel though they would have not have enough power to to win over those giants and those iron chairs and um, or, or chariots and all of th those enemies who were stronger and it was it was your, your power who divided the sea, who divided the river and who gave victory to weak men and who gives victory to us who are weak men and women. Oh, be with us, Lord. Be with us daily. We feel, so often we feel like Peter sinking down and watching the waves instead of watching you standing there or coming to our rescue. Oh, help us. Oh, help us to see each other as your children not as not asking are you a friend or an enemy but seeing that this is our dear brother and sister who have your holy spirit and who might have a a weak moment or a weak time saying something to us that hurts us but all this is just trials that we have to go through watching, uh, looking at you every day and, 
and you are who can give us the strength to to forgive to to smile back to to love unconditionally oh we are we are praying for brother Istvan as he lost his mother oh strengthen and and help him in this uh, difficult times and 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 all the all our brothers and sisters who lost dear family members you are the person who can give us peace even when there is storm raging you can give us what seems to be impossible with you everything is possible nothing is impossible and it is our faith that overcomes this world and the, it is you who overcome the world we just have to believe or help us to believe help us to walk with you on the weekdays and every day to spend the quiet time to take to sacrifice what needs to be sacrificed for that or help us to realize what we need to do today for those who are not saved yet and for those of us who are saved who keep us Lord and help us to be faithful until the end and help us to reach that heavenly home that you are preparing now in this name we ask amen we heard this morning about the early church and how they were strangers in a strange land. They were foreigners. They didn't have security and they needed to trust in God. Not that that would guarantee them an easy life here, but they knew that it, what they were doing was worth the price. The, that they were eternal beings and that they were receiving something that was incorruptible, something that wouldn't decay by, in faith, clinging to the promise that they had heard. In their inspiration to me, that they were willing to proclaim, to lay their lives on the line, to share and to spread the flame of that fire at the cost of their own, not only security and comfort, but their own lives. The people of Israel no longer needed manna. They could now depend on the fruit of the land. There was a shift. Just an external shift from God providing 
to them providing by their own hands. Sometimes we take that shift too far. And because we're relying on ourselves, we keep ourselves out of harm's way, out of taking the risks, out of fighting the battles for fear that we don't have what it takes to win them. And yet there are brothers and sisters around the planet who this day are still laying down their lives for the sake of the gospel. May we also remember and not forget what it was like to have the pillar of fire guide us, to have the cloud by day and the fire by night and the manna sustain us, even when we are blessed to be in a land of plenty, that we would still be dependent on him and still be willing for him to cut out of our lives anything that would hinder us. With that, we would conclude this afternoon's service.